This Shabbos is called the Shabbos of Song, and that's because we are reading, we're not just reading as the Alter Rebbe says, to live with the times, so we're living with the splitting of the Reed Sea, and the song that was sung at the splitting of the Reed Sea. One of the unique qualities of this miracle was that the miracle was created by the Jewish people's initiative. Unlike all the other miracles before, where God just told Moshe Rabbeinu to make the miracle happen, here, Hashem wanted the Jewish people to uh, to be involved, that they should jump into the sea and go with pure faith. I saw a story this morning about Rabbi Shmuel Levitin, someone who was incredible chassid. The Rebbe said about him that if he would have nine other people like him, Mashiach would have come. So when he was uh, living during World War One, in the city of Rakeshek, I'm not pronouncing that, but in the Kovna region, he had to leave his rabbinate because of the war, and he went to the Rebbe Rashab, and the Rebbe Rashab told him, you know, they need a rabbi in the city called uh, Disna. Disna was a very important um, rabbinate position, and the Rebbe Rashab was telling him that my advice is he should go there. So Shmuel told Rebbe Rashab, but the Germans are capturing one area after another. This was during World War One again, and they're not far from Disna. Rebbe Rashab laughed and he said, "The Germans, they aren't. Yeah, he said, the Germans aren't consulting us where they should go. So he thought that meant don't go, and he didn't go. And the end is that the Germans went close to Disna, but they never entered Disna." And uh, Shmuel Vitten said that had he taken the opportunity, he would have he would have been uh, saved from his imprisonment in Siberia. He was in Siberia for many years. That's actually uh, one of the things that was said about him, uh, that when he was in Siberia for so many years, uh, he, he said that one of the things that bothered him so much was he didn't know the appropriate words to the morning blessings. Uh, in the morning blessings, we say, God gives strength to the weary. He wasn't sure if it was like, that's what bothered him in prison. He was praying and he didn't know the right words. Anyways, but yet, this um, this whole imprisonment wouldn't have happened, he said, had he listened to the Rebbe Rashab immediately and traveled to uh, to Disna. So, the Shab- Okay. So, this week, when we read about the splitting of the Reed Sea, and this whole Shabbos is considered such a celebratory Shabbos, the Shabbos of Song, there's a very interesting medrash uh, about the splitting of the Reed Sea. It says when the Jewish people crossed the sea, they they, um, all of a sudden saw these trees growing, and the children um, ate fruit from these trees, and the children, to reward the birds who were singing along with the children, the um, the children gave the birds um, from from the fruit from these trees. So the children are singing, the birds are singing, and uh, the children eat from these these fruit from these trees that grow miraculously suddenly, and they give the uh, birds from the fruit that they're eating as well. So it's a beautiful thing, and that's one of the reasons why it's customary the Shabbos to uh, put out food for the birds. 
Um, it's because of the, of the, to reward the birds for singing along with us at the splitting of the Red Sea. But uh, the question is, we have a rule, we have a principle, an axiom in Judaism, that whenever God performs a miracle, it's for a purpose. There's a reason for the miracle. And here, this miracle seems to be for no reason. God could have brought us across the Red Sea without these trees growing. And without the birds uh, getting rewarded with these, with these fruit, they could have gotten rewarded a different way. What's the meaning of, these, of the sudden miracle of these trees growing, producing fruit, even on dry land, to, for a tree to grow fruit takes a long time. So what's the meaning of, of all of a sudden this sudden thing that these trees sprout out from the ground and this fruit? What it, we have to say, since God does not perform a miracle unnecessarily, we have to say that there's something about the growing of the fruit that is part and parcel of the theme of the splitting of the Reed Sea. And as a result of the phenomenon of the splitting of the Reed Sea, automatically that means that tree, trees grow. So what's the, what's the connection between the splitting of the Red Sea and these trees producing fruit? What does that mean? So we have another uh, teaching in the Medrash about the splitting of the sea. It says in the Torah that when the Jewish people crossed the sea, there was, there was a wall of water on their right, a wall of water on their left, and the, the Talmud comments that the wall of water on their right is connected to the teachings of the Torah. The wall of water on their left is referring to the mitzvah of tefillin, or another text in the Medrash, the mitzvah of prayer. Torah is called the right because it says in the Torah, Mimini de um, on his right hand is, there is a fiery covenant. The Torah is associated with God's right hand. The general right has to do with revelation. And the left, water, the wall of water on the left, which was a physical phenomenon, but in what merit did we cross the Red Sea? It was in the merit of the, uh, the mitzvah of tefillin, according to one text of the Medrash, or according to another text, the merit of prayer in general, which prayer in general is associated with the left, besides the fact that if you are a righty, you put the tefillin on your left hand, but also prayer in general is associated with the left. Um, one reason why prayer is associated with the left is because prayer is about our yearning to be closer to God, and that yearning is because of God hiding himself that we have this experience of yearning to be closer to God. So, so the Medrash says that when we cross the sea, the attribute of God's justice came before God and said to God, these guys are idol worshippers, and these guys are idol worshippers. The Egyptians and the Jews are both guilty of idol worship. So why are you saving the Jews and destroying the, um, the Egyptians? They're equally guilty. So the Talmud, the Medrash continues and says it was in the merit of these two things, the merit of the tefillin and the merit or the tefillah, merit of the prayer and the merit of Torah, that that's why we were saved. That's what the Talmud says. So the question is, why do we need two merits to cross the Red Sea? Why two? When God told Moshe Rabbeinu why the Jewish people would merit to have redemption, he said it was because they were going to receive the Torah. And here the Medrash says, we have to have two merits. What's the meaning of these two merits? And we need to have more than one, then why, why two? What, what does this mean? So there's a very deep and long explanation that the Rebbe gives about this. Just, just one idea, and this idea itself, very, very um, a summary of the idea. There is 
in the world, the sea or the oceans, and there's the dry land. And the Talmud says, whatever you see on dry land, there is in the sea. The same kind of life and the same kind of, um, uh, what's the word, topography, mountains, valleys, you find that in, in, the, in the sea as well. Whatever there is in dry land, says the Talmud, there is also under the sea. However, there's a difference. In dry land, everything that is here on dry land is exposed. Whatever is in the sea is hidden. So when it says in the Torah that God brought this miracle, the Torah uses the words, God transformed this sea to dry land, which spiritually means that God caused that which is usually hidden just like the sea, everything is hidden in the sea, God caused that which is usually hidden to become revealed, to be exposed. God revealed that which is hidden before. So it's not just a physical phenomena, it's also a spiritual one. God revealed the godly energy in creation, not just the godly energy that vivifies and creates and animates every single thing in creation every moment, but the Talmud says further, a maidservant at the splitting of the, of the Reed Sea, some more than the prophets, some more than the prophet Ezekiel. Now, the, a prophet is privy to seeing hidden things, but depending on the prophet, how much he's able to see, it depends. The God doesn't reveal everything to every prophet. And there are things which are hidden from prophets. And just like there are phenomena in the world that are hidden, so too there are godly lights of Hashem that are not revealed to the prophets. But at the splitting of the Reed Sea, the Torah says that kol mayim shabayim, all the water in the world split, which also means that all that was hidden, all the godly energy that was in this world and in the higher worlds was all revealed. And that's why it says that even a simple maidservant who wasn't on the level of Ezekiel, yet she was able to see all of this revelation it wasn't because of where she was up to spiritually. It was because of the revelation of Hashem at that, po- at that point. So just like there was a revelation of God's energy in creation in, from the higher worlds, the, re- the revelation of the higher worlds and the higher uh, um, lights of godliness, so too in this world, this was also reflected in a physical phenomenon. Ordinarily, um, we know it says in Kohelas and Kriastes, there's nothing new under the sun. What that means is that when God created something out of nothing during the six days of creation, yes, there needs to be a force to renew creation every moment, but there's nothing new that God has created since then. Everything that God creates since that moment is all recreating the original things that He created then. There's no new creatures that God has created since then. It's just a recreation of that was there, that which was there before. He's taking out of what was hidden and revealing it. But it's not a new yeshmet. There's yeshmei in creation from something from nothing is, is, is constant. However, what happens after the first six days of creation is just a recreation of, of taking everything to, be, to exist out of non-existing, out of it being before it was created, it was just this, the words of Hashem, the spiritual energy of Hashem. And now God caused it to become physical. And now God's renewing this creation every single moment. But among the physical items that God has created, there are no new ones. 
what what does happen is it's, it's, like, there's there is a revelation of potential of things that were created already. Just like Nachmanides says that um, creation happened on the first day. Uh, the Torah says heavens and earth, everything was created on the first day. So Nachmanides explains that God created on the first day of creation a chaymer ayuli. He created the material from which God later um, created every other detail in creation. He he took the the general energy that was there on the first six days of creation on the first day of creation. And every day of creation where it says God made this, God made that, it wasn't a new thing. Just that God was taking that thing that he made in the first day of creation and forming it into the various things that were created in those six days. But there are no new ones. So, when you plant a seed and it grows into a tree, there's nothing new that's here. The potential for the tree's growth is in the seed. And when the tree grows, it's just coming from potential to actual. So just like when Jewish people crossed the Red Sea, there was a revelation of the higher worlds, there, there, there was a revelation of that which was hidden, so too in this physical world, there was also a revelation that which, of that which is hidden. So ordinarily, it takes a long time for a seed to turn into a tree. But just like when the Jewish people sang the song to Hashem, there was a revelation of the godly energy that, that's in creation, they saw that which was hidden, and immediately all that was hidden in creation was exposed to their eyes, so too is this true physically that the godly potential in creation, in the seed, immediately was instantaneously became a tree. It wasn't something new. It was just the potential being realized, the potential being revealed. And it, it, was, it wasn't an unnecessary miracle. It was part and parcel of what the splitting of the reed seed was about. Okay, so this is what happened in the, um, in the physical world. This is what happened also into the godly energy in creation, beyond creation. There was a revelation of that which is hidden. That which was previously like the sea, which is hidden, became like dry land, became exposed. But everything that happens in the world, it says in, in the Torah, God put the world in their hearts. That means whatever happens in the world first happens within us. So in order to cause a splitting of the Red Sea, there had to be something that happened in us to trigger this miracle. So the Talmud says that the, the attribute of justice says to God, you're going to split the sea for them? On Based on what? These guys serve idols, these guys serve idols. So God said in response, it's the two mitzvahs, the mitzvah of tefillin and prayer, and the mitzvah of Torah study, that will that, that because of this they deserve this miracle. What's going on? It says in Gemara of Edezara, uh, page 18, that there was the following exchange between these two sages. Rab Yesim and Kisma said to Rabbi Chanim and Tradin, Rabbi Chanim and Tradin was teaching Torah in public in defiance of the Romans' decrees. And Rabbi Yesim and Kisma said to him, I will be surprised if you weren't burnt with your Torah that you're teaching. It's very dangerous what you're doing. So they had this exchange. And in, the Gemara continues, and Rabbi Chimam Tadian asks Rabbi Haba, do you think that I will get to go to the world to come? And Rabbi Chimam ben Tadian, Rabbi Kisma responds, have you ever done anything special in your life? So Rabbi Chimam Tadian says, yeah, it was one time when he was collecting tzedakah, 
on Purim, and the money for Purim got mixed up with his personal money. And he gave away all the money to charity. He didn't leave any money for himself. That's the, this is the story of the Gemara. Now the obvious question is, Rabbi Chimant Radian is doing amazing things every single day. He's giving his life to spread Torah. So why is he asking Yitzvah Kisma if he's going to go to the world to come? Why wouldn't he go to the world to come? And second of all, if there is a question if he should go to the world to come, the answer should be, well, in the merit of your teaching Torah in public with sacrifice, you deserve it. Why is he asking about, did you do anything special? Why is this particular event of giving the money to charity, why is it considered so significant that, that, that makes everything else that he did in his life to be not deserving of the world to come? But, oh, that thing, that shows you deserve the world to come. The author explains that the original, um, that there were, there were philosophers, um, doesn't mention my name, but, you know, like Aristotle, um, who they were very into um, intellect. They were very into philosophy. They were very into discovering deeper things about the world, about life, about themselves. And they cared about this so much that they ignored physical pleasures. They weren't into it. They just pursued intellect and, and, they, and they discussed ideas and they fasted. And they, and they, didn't, they, they couldn't care about, about physical pleasures. They just loved they just love the pursuit of knowledge. So, the author says that Rabbi Hanim Antradian was afraid that perhaps, although he's giving his life to teach Torah, maybe this is motivated a little bit by his uh, pursuit of knowledge. Maybe he just as what's called in the Hasidic lexicon, Marash Chayra. Marash Chayra means people who are diligent, people who love to study. Maybe it's just a, a, a human nature. Maybe it's not something coming from his soul, maybe it's something which is coming from his body, maybe it's something which is coming from his, from his animal soul, from his earthiness, it's not a godly thing. So, Rabbi Yisman Kisma asked him, there's a service of God in one area of Torah study, which is related to Marashchei, which is related to diligence, and that nature is very different to someone who is happy-go-lucky and very generous and very free with his money, so he asked him, have you ever served God in the other arena, in the arena of generosity? They told him the story. Oh, Raisin Kispa says, that shows that your Torah study is not just because it's your nature to study Torah. That indicates that there's something deeper about your Torah study. That shows that when you're learning Torah, it's not just because you love to study. You're not just Aristotle. There's something, there's something of soul in your Torah study. There's something godly in your Torah study. You care about what you're doing from the deepest part of your soul. And there's, therefore, certainly you will, in the world of truth, the world of the world to come, you'll be there. If it was coming from your animal soul, then you don't belong in the world to come. It's just coming from, the, it's, not, it's not a godly activity, it's, it's an earthy activity. But if you're doing something like that, says Vesim Kisma, then he says, I wish my share was with your share. This will help us understand also by the splitting of the Ritzi. In order for the Jewish people to reveal the hidden godliness within creation and beyond creation, to reveal the potential of the seed to produce the fruit, they had to do this in themselves. So, they, so the first thing they did was they jumped into the sea. Nachshem and Aminadav jumps in the sea. Sacrifice. Okay. Sacrifice is great. But just like in the story of Reis and Kisma, where is the sacrifice coming from? Is that, it's, not, it's not a full revelation there yet. And therefore, they had to have the merit of these two mitzvahs, the, mitzvah, the two different arenas, 
There are some Jews who love to study Torah, and some Jews who love to study Torah, but they don't like to daven. Some Jews like to daven, they don't, they don't like studying Torah. Some people feel, you know, when I'm studying Torah, I'm accomplishing something, I'm gaining something. It, it's easy for me to learn, learn another page of Torah. Just an amazing story. Rabbi Mendel Wechter, he said that one time he told his class, he was teaching Torah to a very uh, sophisticated uh, level of Torah scholars, and he wanted them to participate in bringing merit to someone who was very ill. So he asked his class, guys, I want to ask everyone here to spend three hours nonstop studying Gemara and Rashi and Tosfos. Everyone's like, we're going to do this, Rabbi. In honor of this person, we're going to learn Gemara Shetesis as a merit for this person. Okay. Time passes. I don't know if it was the same person or someone else. He asks his class, guys, you want to study a chapter of Tanya, the merit of someone who was sick? There was a, there were some people who said yes, and most people said, eh, not right now. Then there was, some time passed, and he asked the, the same group, Guys, I want to ask you for a favor. Someone very dear to me is, is unwell. I want to ask everyone to learn four lines of Tanya and to think about them deeply. Nobody wanted to do it. And he said, why? What's the difference? If you think about it, on the surface, what's easier, to study Torah for three hours straight or to take four lines of Tanya and to think about them for a few minutes? What's easier? So it's much easier, five minutes, just think about the words of Tanya. But <clears throat> no one wants to do the Tanya. And the reason is, is because when you do the three hours of the Gemara, you do it and you're done. And forgotten for light, you are, you, you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, I, I did for God, I did for people, and you feel great. I did and I'm done. When he's asking them to go think about the four, few lines of Tanya personally, he's getting, he's getting personal. He's going, he's going into them. He's asking for themselves. He's not just asking for them to do a thing. This is similar to what the Talmud says over here. The Jewish people are idol worshippers. In what merit were they saved? In what merit did they go out of Egypt? In what merit did they go out of their limitations? <clears throat> How are they going out of their limitations? They had the limitations. They're part of Egypt. Why are they leaving Egypt? What's going to bring them out? The Talmud says they had to have two merits. The merit of one area of serving God, prayer, and the merit of Torah study. It's both merits together. Some people, they... They, they have like one or the other. The fact that both merits, that shows that there's something of soul in their devotion to Hashem, something godly in their devotion to Hashem. They reveal their soul in this activity. They reveal, because it, you can only reveal your soul if you're going beyond your nature. And otherwise it's just, you're doing things because it's comfortable. The fact that they serve God in both arenas, that shows that there was something of soul what they were doing. I, I shouldn't say you can only reveal your soul if, if you're going against your nature. The altar does say, to reach Pneumius, to for, for for things to be real to you, you have to have sacrifice. To reach Pneumius, to make something to make your Judaism real to you, you have to have sacrifice. It's true. However, um, it's not necessary to um, hurt yourself in order to be able to reveal your soul. You could reveal your soul without hurting yourself, without without any of that stuff. But um, in the activity of doing something hard, you certainly are are touching soul. But it's possible, as one in chapter twenty-five in Tanya. Just to think about like who you are and what you care about and how you're ready to give your life for Hashem. It's also enough to bring out the uh, godly energy. And that's what happened then. They brought out their own godly energy, their own devotion to Hashem that triggered in the world the splitting of the Red Sea and caused these seeds to produce fruit. Any questions or comments?
Chaim Lachai and Eivish help us all to see the splitting of the Red Sea today, the coming of Mashiach, revelation of Galilee and creation. We should see this happen right now, and we should see a real before Shlema for Rabnis and Henach Ben Rachel. Lachaim Lachaim Ben Rachel.